You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 39 in your Bibles, and I am going to finish tonight, Lord willing, what we started last week. Uh, this chapter, Jeremiah 39, we saw last week how that the Babylonians came and they destroyed the city. They burned down the houses. Uh, they uh, uh, captured King Zedekiah. They killed his sons. Remember that right before his eyes. And then they, they, they poked out his eyes and they led Zedekiah, the king, they led him away into captivity. And I want to remind you, that's what sin does. Uh, sin always uh, takes captives, and sin always uh, puts you in bondage, and sin always leaves regrets. And uh, Zedekiah found out the hard way. He didn't listen uh, to the warning from God. So we said last week, number one in this chapter, we saw the ruin, not just of the city, not just the houses, but we saw uh, Zedekiah's home, Zedekiah's family uh, was ruined. We saw the reason for it was he didn't listen. He didn't heed the warnings that God had given him over and over and over again. And we saw number three last week that Zedekiah decided to try to run. Uh, when the Babylonians came, Zedekiah said, I know what I'll do. I will run. And he did not escape uh, Nebuchadnezzar. But even if he had escaped Nebuchadnezzar, I want to remind us tonight that you and I cannot run from God. Uh, there's nowhere you can go where God cannot find you. You can't run fast enough. You can't climb high enough. You can't dig deep enough. Uh, you can't get far enough away. Uh, the psalmist David said in a good way, he said, uh, wherever I go, he said, I know you're right there with me. And that's a wonderful feeling when you're right with God, but it's a very convicting feeling when you're trying to run from God. And uh, Zedekiah tried to run. I want you to see number four. We'll pick up in Jeremiah 39 and verse number 9. After they have uh, destroyed the city, they have uh, taken away uh, captives. And verse number 9, it says, Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in the city. And those that fell away or those that surrendered ahead of time that fell to him with the rest of the people that remained. Now keep in mind, this is what God said. If you, he said, if you will surrender, you will live. But if you try to fight or if you try to run, you will die. And so these folks were taken captive. And uh, you say, well, that would have been terrible. Well, yes, it would have been bad. But can I tell you, that captivity for 70 years in Babylon, uh, God used that time of captivity. And eventually you had the folks that came back from captivity and you have the rebuilding of the wall and the rebuilding of the temple. And so I'm glad that uh, uh, it's not over till God says it's over. And so God still had a plan. But look at verse 10, if you would. It says, but Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left of the poor of the people, which had nothing in the land of Judah and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us as we look at your word and I pray that you'd help me to cover uh, what needs to be said and help me not to say anything I should not say tonight. But Lord, I want to be a help and I want to uh, get out of the way and I just want to do my best to share the, the life-changing truth of the word of God tonight that would be a help 
uh, to our homes and our marriages that would be a help uh, to uh, how we live every day. I pray we would be reminded of the power uh, that is found in the Word of God. And I thank you, Lord, that you are still speaking even today. And I pray you'd speak to us tonight in this service. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see, number four, the remnant. The remnant are those that were taken captive, uh, but then also the Bible says that there were some that were allowed to stay in Judah. Did you notice what it said in verse number 10? That they left of the poor of the people. Now, you say, oh man, that would have been terrible being poor. Not in this case. Because if you were poor, guess what? You weren't a prisoner. You weren't hauled off to Babylon. You got to stay in Judah. And on top of that, not only did you get to stay, but the Babylonians started divvying up property and saying, hey, you want some land? It's all yours. You need a field? You can have this one. You want a vineyard? Have at it. And so those that had seemingly nothing before, after the judgment came, guess what? They had it made. Now, I won't have you turn back there, but you've got to look at this at some point. You've got to go back to Jeremiah 35. Remember when we talked about, and I tried to teach you about the Rechabites. You remember the Rechabites? They were the ones that they said, we're not going to uh, drink wine. We're not even going to touch the grapes. We're not going to own vineyards. We're not going to own houses. And they said, why not? And the Rechabites said, because our father said, don't do it. And they obeyed their earthly father better than the children of Israel were obeying their heavenly father. Guess who would have been in this category of the poor that had nothing? The Rechabites. And guess what God did? God rewarded them for their obedience and their faithfulness. They were not taken captive. They were not killed. They were not destroyed. They got to stay. And on top of that, they got the pick of whatever they wanted, the land, and they were free because they obeyed their earthly father. Can I tell you, I hope that we have a determination to obey our heavenly father. It may not always make sense. It may not always you know, work out on paper. I want to tell you this, you will never regret obeying God. You will never regret doing what the Bible says. Even if nobody else is doing it, I promise you, you will never regret obeying God. And so we see uh, that uh, they were able to stay. The Bible says that there was some of the remnant that were carried away captive. But here's what's amazing. They were carried away captive, but eventually... The Jews were returned to their land. Their, their children, their grandchildren got to come back. Here's what that tells me. That tells me that although the Jews were in captivity, God still was able to take care of them. And aren't you glad that God can take care of us no matter what? One song, I don't know if we've sung it here in a while, but I love the song. But the song says this, although there have been times that, that I've been out of God's will, I've never been out of God's care. And did you know, even when you and I, we get away from God, we step out of God's will, we get away from God's plan, maybe you stop reading your Bible. Maybe you stop going to church. Maybe you stop praying. Maybe you stop serving God. Can I tell you, even when you're out of the will of God, you're never out of the care of God. 
Aren't you glad for that, that God still loves us, God still cares for us, and God will take care of his children? I'm glad that this passage also shows us that the remnant, those that remained, it shows us that not everybody rebelled. Not everybody ran from God. Not everybody was disobeying God. There were still some that said, we're going to be faithful and we're going to trust God. Can I remind you in 2021 that there are some times that you'll watch the news or you'll watch television if you can find anything to watch. That's an accomplishment right there. You'll watch television or you'll listen to the news or you'll read a magazine and you'll think, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that even tries to live for God anymore. And maybe it's at the workplace. And you say, I'm the only one in my workplace that does not cuss. I'm the only one in my workplace that doesn't go out and get drunk. I'm the only one in my workplace that actually tells the truth. I'm the only one in my workplace that actually shows up and works and does what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes you may feel like you're the only one. But I got news for you. You're not the only one. Can I tell you, there's still a lot of people that love God. There's a lot of people serving God. You may not always see them, but can I tell you, there is a remnant. There are people that still love God. There are churches all over this country. There are churches all around the world where people are still gathering like this tonight and people are praying and people are, 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 are hungry for the word of God and people want to raise their family for God. And I want to tell you, we're not the only ones. Don't let the devil lie to you and try to convince you otherwise. There's a remnant. But then I want you to see the rescue. It's found in verse 11 through verse number 18. There's actually two folks that I want you to see that were rescued. One is Jeremiah. It says in verse 11, Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him and look. What's that next word? Well, boy, what a nice change for Jeremiah. He's been thrown into a pit. He's been uh, threatened to be killed. And he's been persecuted by his own people. The enemy comes and they actually treat him well. They actually take care of him. But the king said, take him, look well to him and do him no harm, but do unto him even as he shall say unto thee. Whoa, that's pretty awesome. That's where you're like, uh, um, Snap your fingers. Uh, could I get another sweet tea over here? Uh, could I get some of those? Can I get some of those snacks? You know, can I get, you know, I, I, I'm obviously being silly. But can I tell you, God took care of Jeremiah. Not only did he save his life, but now he is treated well. The king gave charge to the captain of the guard. But I'm glad to remind you tonight that the king wasn't the one in charge to begin with. There was a God in heaven that was always in charge of Jeremiah, and he always had Jeremiah in his protection and in his control. We see in verses 15 through 18, now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, go and speak to Ebedmelech the Ethiopian. Do you remember Ebedmelech? We talked about him a few weeks ago. He was the one who went to save and rescue Jeremiah from the pit. You remember that? And he risked his life. And, and really an unlikely individual, here is a man who is not even a Jew. He's an Ethiopian. 
And uh, he is, uh, his very name, Abedmelech, means a servant of the king. He was not a leader. He was not a prominent figure. But he just did what was right, and he saved Jeremiah. And now, Jeremiah has a specific message for this man, Abedmelech. It says in verse 16, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for evil and not for good, and they shall be accomplished in that day before thee. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord, and thou shalt not be given into the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid, for I will... What's that next word? Surely. You know what that means? Without a doubt. Without a question. Without any any question at all, God said, I will surely deliver thee. God said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to rescue you. The entire city is going to be destroyed. But God says, Ebedmelech, I've got your address. I know your number and I'm going to take care of you. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the story of Rahab. Remember when those spies went in and Rahab protected those spies and those spies guaranteed her. They said, you and whoever is in your house, when we come back and we destroy the city, your lives will be spared. Now, I'm kind of glad Rahab did not know that God was actually going to knock down the walls because that had to have been a little concerning. It's one thing if they're going door to door and taking people out. But they're not going door to door and checking houses and all that. God knocked down the walls of the city. But guess whose house was still standing? You say, well, how do you know that her house was on the wall? Well, how do you think she let the spies out? But God protected one lady and her family in the midst of a war zone. Can I tell you, God can take care of you. God can take care of me no matter what we're going through. He did it for Abedmelech. He said, I will surely deliver thee and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be for a prey. Or that word prey literally means a prize unto thee. He said, I'm going to give you your life as a prize because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Wow. Even though God judged the people of Judah, even though the entire city of Jerusalem was judged, God was still able to take care of and keep track of Ebed-Melech. That has to encourage you tonight. That has to bless you tonight to know that we live in a world that seems to be spiraling out of control. But yet there is a God in heaven who not only is taking care of you, but he's got the hairs of your head numbered. He doesn't let a bird fall to the ground without, without seeing it, without noticing it. Can I tell you, that's an amazing God. Not only is he omnipotent, not only is he all-powerful, but he is omniscient, he is all-knowing, and he is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. That's the God that I serve. We see the rescue of the righteous. We see the remnant. We see Jeremiah. Uh, we see Abed-Melech. We see those poor of the land that are left there. 
And I think there's a few thoughts. I'll just wrap up with this and give you these. Number one, I want you to see about these folks that God spared. These folks that were not destroyed while the king, uh, uh, King uh, Zedekiah was, was taken as a captive and his sons were killed and the nobles were killed and the people that should have been able to protect themselves could do nothing. But yet here are those who are seemingly helpless. Here are the people that they didn't have any way to protect themselves, but they had a God who was on patrol. They had a God who was taking care of them in the middle of a battle. Number one, I want you to see, I'll write down a couple words if you would, and these are not necessarily for your sake, but these are for my sake, just to remind me of the significance of this passage. Number one, I want you to notice there was a promise. For every one of these people, God had promised them. God had promised the Rechabites he would take care of them. God had promised those that had would surrender. God said, if you surrender, you will live. God had promised Ebed-Melech that he would take care of them. God had promised Jeremiah that he would take care of them. It didn't seem probable. It really didn't even seem possible. But I want to remind you tonight, if God said it, you can count on it. It's a promise. Now, we've got a lot of promises in this book. How many of you know there's a lot of promises in this book right here? Raise your hand if you know there's a lot of promises. I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to ask you how many because I don't know how many either. Let's just say there's a lot. Would you agree there's a lot? There's a lot of promises in this book. So here's your assignment. I want you to claim one. Say, well, I'd like to claim more than one. Help yourself. Claim as many as you want. But let's start with one. I want you tonight, with whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're facing, I may not know about it. It may not be on the prayer sheet. Uh, it may not be on our, our, our prayer line. It may not be on our prayer group. And, and maybe nobody knows but you and God. But I want you to claim tonight one promise. Just one promise. And I want you to claim that promise this week. My wife is with the Children's Summer Kids Club. We've claimed a lot of promises through the years together. But one promise we claimed for nine years was Ephesians 3.20, where it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. It's not our power. It's the power of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us and through us. And we prayed for nine years that God would give us a baby. We had five miscarriages during that time, and we had doctors that said, we don't think this is ever going to happen. But we claimed that verse. I wish I could tell you that I had 100% faith all nine years, but I didn't. I wish I could tell you my wife did, but she didn't. But you know what we kept doing? We kept claiming it. We kept claiming it. And I want to ask you to claim a promise. I'm not asking you to claim a promise that I believe God's going to let me win the lottery tomorrow. I, I haven't found that verse in the Bible, okay? So that's not the kind of promise I'm talking about. But I'm talking about get a promise. Write it down. Put it on your phone. Put a reminder on your phone to remind you every day. Here's the promise. Here's what God said. You didn't say it. I didn't say it. God said it. Would you claim a promise? Number one, we see there's a promise. God said that it would happen. He told um, Abedmelech, he said, for I will surely, without a doubt, I will deliver thee. There's a promise. Number two, I want you to see there's a protection. You see, all of these people, one thing they have in common is they were all spared from death. 
Now, you don't understand, but these Babylonian soldiers, these were not nice people. They were not following the, the, the Geneva Convention, okay? They weren't coming in, and, and there weren't video cameras everywhere. And they weren't afraid that somebody was going to report them for being kind of mean to the enemy during wartime. And all of these people had the same thing in common. God protected every one of them from death. You could say this, God delivered them. God rescued them. God stepped in and spared their life. You're here tonight. And I want to tell you, we have a God who is able to rescue us, not just from physical death, but I'm glad he can rescue us from a spiritual, eternal death in a place called hell. I'm glad that he will deliver us. I'm glad he will save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered, shall be saved. I'm glad we serve a God that can protect us from hell, but I'm glad we've got a God who can protect us from the attacks of Satan every single day. I'll give you two quick examples here and you know these stories. But how about Daniel in the lion's den? You notice it's not Daniel and the lion's den, although maybe you could say it like that, but it was Daniel in, like I-N. He was in it. How many of you would have liked to have been you and the lion's den? How many of you like to say, yeah, I saw the lion's den, but I never went in it. Yeah, God actually, God saved me before I ever got in, those, in with those lions. That would have, I would have liked that story, I think, a little better. But God didn't rescue Daniel before the lion's den. He rescued him in the lion's den. Now, which story do you think is a little more powerful? I'd say in and that's the God we serve. He can deliver you, not just before you get there. He can save you while you're in it. And I want to tell you, he is able to deliver. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a similar story, did they not? God could have saved them from the fiery furnace, but God saved them in the fiery furnace. And maybe you're here tonight, or maybe you're watching tonight, or listening on the radio tonight, and you say, I'm in a fiery furnace, or I'm in a lion's den, or I'm in a battle right now as we speak, and I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what to do. I'll tell you, there's one way to turn. Every time you get in a battle, turn to God, turn to Him, and get your eyes off of the problem. Get your eyes on Jesus. Protection number three. I see there's property. There's property involved. Now, for the remnant, the poor that were left that had nothing, they had zero, now they've got some land. Now they've got some property. Can I tell you, even Jeremiah had some property. Remember, he bought that property even though we would have said, that's a crazy time to buy, but he, he bought it as, as a, a statement of faith and obedience to God that he believed God. But I want to tell you, you and I, you may say, uh, boy, I don't have property down here. Or if you do have property down here, guess what? There's somebody that's got more property. Or if you do have a house down here, there's somebody that's got a bigger house. Or if you've got money down here, there's somebody that's got more money down here. How many of you know that? There's always somebody that's got more. And the uh, enemy of contentment is always comparison, right? You just compare it with what somebody else has. 
But here's the thing about property. From my experience, because of all the property I have. <laughs> because of the property that the bank has that they're letting me live in. But here's the thing about property. If you have property down here, let's say you have it for 70 years. It's temporal, right? Let's say you have a house. And let's say you build that house and it is perfect. Give it about 50 years. Actually, give it about 25 Actually, give it about 15. Actually, give it about 10. And guess what? Something's going to be breaking. That roof's going to be needing replaced or that air conditioning or that water heater or, you know, the ceiling's going to be leaking with property. Guess what? Something's going to go wrong. Jesus even said, he said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because he said that's where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But Jesus said, why don't you lay up treasure in heaven. He said, why don't you focus on heavenly property? Why don't you focus on heavenly rewards? Because in heaven, you've got a mansion, and I've got a mansion, if you're saved, and it's yours forever. And guess what? There's no repair bill on that. Uh, there's not going to be... I remember Brother Andrew, I don't know if he has said this recently, but I remember Pastor Treber when I, when I was out in Santa Clara, and I remember uh, we had that beautiful park. Montague Park was right next door and had a ball field and had uh, 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 playgrounds and all that stuff. And I remember one time I told Pastor Treber, and I was trying to be all spiritual, and I said, Pastor, I said, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if God gave us that property? He said, well, I said, be okay. He said, but actually, it's kind of nice now. We get to use it. We don't even have to take care of it, you know. We don't have to mow it. We don't have to pay for any upkeep there. It's kind of nice, you know. And, of course, you know, one of those things. But I'll tell you one thing. The more property you have down here, the more work you got down here, right? That's why we're not laying up our treasures down here. Our treasures, the song says, are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. There's property. There's a home. Notice with me, I, you, you've got to see this. Verse number 14. Even they sent and took Jeremiah out of the court of the prison and committed him unto Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, that he should carry him home. Isn't that amazing? God allowed Jeremiah to go home. I talked about it Sunday night, but this world's not our home, friends. When I say we're going home, I'm not talking about Lakeview Drive, although I love the home God's given us. But when I say one of these days we're going home, I'm talking about the place where Jesus is. I'm talking about streets of gold, gates of pearl. What a day that will be. There's property. Number four, I want you to see quickly. I want you to see prayer. You say, well, where do you see prayer? It doesn't say prayer, but I want you to see the principle here in verse 12. The king told the captain of the guard, he said, take him. Look well to him and do him no harm, but do unto him even as he shall say unto thee. You know what's amazing about the Christian life is that God not only saves us, but God wants to talk to us and he wants us to talk to him. And we have access to the heavenly father 24 hours a day, seven days a week through prayer. Here, the, the king said, hey, whatever he, whatever he tells you he needs, I want you to do it for him. Now, I'm not saying that everything you tell God, hey, I need this and I need this. I'm not saying God's going to give you everything you want, 
But I do believe God will give you everything you need. And I believe there's many things that we don't have because the book of James says we have not because we ask not. And then lastly, I see number five, I see people. You say, well, what are you talking about people? Well, it says in verse number 14 that he should carry him home. So he dwelt among the people. Did you know that God's plan for Christians was never for us to be isolated from one another. But God's plan was for us to be together. Let me give you a couple Bible verses so you don't just hear the words of Pastor Coburnett, but you hear the words of God. Hebrews 10, you've heard this verse before, but I want you to listen very carefully to a couple words here. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. That's, that's plural. So, so there's an assembling of yourselves. And in case that doesn't help you, the next word is together. Now, is together, does that mean you're by yourself? No, it means there's got to be more than one, right? We assemble together. That's the church. And I understand, I've told folks with, with COVID and all this stuff that's going on, I'm so thankful for online. I'm so thankful for radio and all those things. But I believe God's plan is for his people to be together. How about this? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they, that's plural, right? Said unto me, let us go into the house of God. You know how we go to church? Go to church together. Now, you could come here, and by the way, you may want to come here someday and say, I'd just like to go in the auditorium and pray. I, I do it every day. I don't usually do it on Tuesday, but I do it every other day. I come in this auditorium and I pray. I love it by myself because it's time with God. But can I tell you what's different? Is when everybody's together. That's church. When it's just me, that's time with God. When it's everybody together, that's when we assemble, and that's when we do what God planned for his people, the assembly, the church, a called out assembly of believers. And then I'll give you one more verse and I'll be done. The Bible says, when the rapture takes place, there's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we, plural, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, the dead in Christ, in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know how it's all going to end? We, as God's people, will all be together. Aren't you thankful for the church? I tell you, there are some, and you, you may not believe this, but I'm telling the truth right now. There are some times where I get discouraged when it's just me. You know why? Because that old devil tells me, nobody cares. Nobody, believe, nobody believes that book anymore. That's so, that's so old-fashioned. That's so out of date. I mean, just turn on the news, right? I mean, just listen to what Hollywood is saying. They, they think this right here, they think this is the biggest joke known to mankind. But I got news for you. When we stand before that judgment seat of Christ, the joke's not going to be on us. 
And I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that callously. I, I don't say that ha-ha. But I say this book right here is true. And I believe it. And I'm so thankful when God's people get together. I'm so thankful we can be encouraged. We can be recharged. We can say, you know what? I think with our church and I think with the Bible and with prayer and with, uh, with the help of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, I think we can just keep on pressing on. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.